You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here in the no groupthink zone at Conservative Review. And indeed, we are here at Central Command of Conservative Review and CRTV. Yes, I am finally out of my bunker. I'm in the D.C. office of CRTV, actually recording here right in middle of our state-of-the-art studio. It's still pretty scary just looking around. <laughs> and I got my co-host here. We actually have a co-host today. We originally started this show with a co-host, and now we got Nate Madden. He is the face of my writings. He's the guy who puts out the rants on our actual CRTV of my stuff here, and I felt like ranting, so I brought on Nate Madden here to rant with me about tax day and everything else and about the crazy courts. Hey, Nate, how you doing? Doing all right. So I guess now that makes me the voice of something or other, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, you, get, you got a pretty good radio <laughs> voice, I'm telling you. And, and I, a face for it as well. But yeah, so <laughs> no, that, that, That's my thing. I, I hate the camera stuff. So Nate bails me out by doing all the camera work. He does the videos. I just do the audio and the writings, but I brought him on today because I'm in D.C. meeting with members of Congress, meeting with other people on the outside, trying to sell our vision, what we've been talking about, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, a new idea of Citizens Task Forces. If you haven't heard about it and you're new to this show, it's last episode. That's episode 212. But today is tax day. We started this republic on the notion that there's no taxation without representation. What we have and what we're facing today is something much worse. Social transformation without representation, where the federal courts are doing everything. They control everything. They control marriage. They control sexuality. They control election law. You name it. I wrote my book, Stolen Sovereignty, to to warn that we are approaching the time when the federal courts would broach that one firewall that they never bothered to venture into, even during the Warren era, and that is immigration. The notion that a sovereign nation must determine its own destiny, who it decides to let in, under what circumstances, what conditions, what conditions it deports foreign nationals, that is all left to the political branches of government. Who would ever know that we have an election based on who would pick the next Supreme Court justice And that Supreme Court justice would be picked by a Republican and he would be the deciding vote to not just overturn the deportation of a criminal alien who committed burglary twice, in this case, Demaya v. Sessions, which we're going to talk about today, but generally adopt the entire philosophy of the legal left on immigration, that there's fundamental due process rights. So, Nate, what do you take of Gorsuch's ruling today in the five to four case to overturn this deportation and many more. And the irony goes a step further because not only are we talking about a a justice who ended up being the deciding vote, who was decided by, who was chosen by a Republican president, was chosen by a Republican president 
who campaigned on the exact opposite of every single way that Gorsuch ruled today. And that's that's the the key irony here. We had a gigantic election that was, yes, about judges in an ancillary sense. It was primarily about immigration. And now we're seeing those two things collide in a way that upends the the will of the American people on that front. But I, I look through and I, re- I read the synopses. It doesn't mention immigration that much at all. This was primarily just about – it's really Gorsuch's take on – similar to what he used to say on things like overcriminalization. Ultimately, the rule comes down to the fact that he says the law is too vague, right? The law that says you know if you commit a violent crime as a foreign national, you can be deported. That's too vague. Merriam-Webster's dictionary has a pretty clear definition of violence in there. You know, any dictionary on any sort of bookshelf has a clear definition of violent. But apparently the law, the statute in place is too too vague. And like you pointed out to me earlier, it only mentions immigration in one spot. And that's really where the entire thing gets screwed up. Yep. Yep. So let's let's dial this back a little bit. Just some brief details on the case. Obviously, the thesis today— is how Neil Gorsuch is screwing us on immigration, why it matters, why the courts are irremediably broken, why this proves everything you've heard from me the last couple of years, everything you've read in my dozens of articles on this issue, my book, Stolen Sovereignty. This case, Demiavi Sessions, was an, an immigrant. He was a legal immigrant who committed two burglaries, 2009, 2011, in California. And this is an individual that even Obama's DHS wanted to deport. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's pretty tough. I mean, yeah. you have to be a pretty bad dude to get on their radar. So everyone's like, well, you know, this is great that Neil Gorsuch is not a rubber stamp for Trump. Well, first off, it's nothing to do with Trump. They just took over the case after the Obama administration. They wanted to deport this guy. Now, to be clear, it has been a longstanding legal, moral, and philosophical principle since the colonial times that anyone with crimes who commit crimes of moral torpitude, we don't want here. Mm-hmm. If you're a foreign national, goodbye. We have enough of our own jerks in this country, plenty of them in a country of 325 million. We only want good people. So we have the right to throw you out for flatulating too much. OK, <laughs> now, obviously, that's pursuant to statute. But, you know, it could be for anything. It could be for a good reason. It could be, be for a dumb reason. Now, obviously, Congress is not going to enumerate 500 different crimes. It has a residual clause, you know, any crime of violence on purpose because it wants to give broad authority in this case to the executive to deport bad people. Because if you're on the gray area, why should we want you? Right. And that that's the key here. And and that's that's really the, the crux of it here. The the question in in case is whether or not this guy could be deported, whether the whether the the statute was just too vague, whether that residual language was too vague, you know, saying moral torpitude, saying crimes of violence. Is that too much to authority to give to the executive to decide if somebody should stay or go if they're a, a legal immigrant who commits a violent crime? And it's you know, it, There is the point to make that this does fit in with Gorsuch's previous MO on other issues. And you've got a lot of conservatives in the conservative legal industrial complex. Thumb-sucking crowd. Your words, not mine. <laughs> who are out there with their pom poms and the rock hats line cheering this thing because, you know, one's not a rock- intellectually honest. Oh, yeah, this is so consistent. It's 
It is one of those things. It's it, it's platitudinal because it sounds good in a vacuum. And yes, it applies in several different areas. We're talking about Chevron doctrine. We're talking about the the authority that Congress should have versus the uh, versus yeah. the executive. So, so generally speaking, yeah. let's just bring up Chevron do- Chevron doctrine yeah. for those that aren't legal uh, scholars here. What what basically a lot of li- mainly libertarian leaning conservatives are annoyed about, and, and broadly speaking, as a traditional conservative, I agree with it in many cases that you want people to have the proper notification of what is a crime. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of junk crimes in this country. You know, you own a property, a farm, and there's all sorts of regulations on how the water pools in the middle of your farm that you might even you might not even know about in order to avoid a criminal penalty and you should have proper notification to know this is included in statute that if you do this, you're going to get punished. And, I'm a small business yeah. owner in D.C. You can't scratch your nose without breaking a D.C. regulation. Exactly. Talk about fair notice. But anyway, please continue. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's the thing. So a lot of conservatives take that broad theme. We're very sympathetic to that, that we, we like individual rights. We, we don't like onerous government regulations. And then then it runs off the rails, and that's what Neil Gorsuch did, where we apply it to immigration. Here's the deal. When you come here as a foreign national until you obtain citizenship, you don't have a presumptive right to remain here against the decisions of the executive branch. Now, let's say the executive branch made a decision to deport you where explicitly the statute said you get to stay, so then you got to follow statute. But that's not what Gorsuch is saying. He's saying the statute is is bad. He's invalidating a congressional criminal alien statute. When you come here, you don't have the presumptive right to stay. That's number one. But even more important, Nate, and this is the crux of the argument here, number two, not just the fact that you're an immigrant, but deportation for 120 years, 130 years from our immigration jurisprudence has not been considered a punishment, a mm-hmm. criminal penalty. It's just a result, a consequence of our sovereignty right. that we have the right to determine if you get to be here. So, like, Daniel, this guy has due process. Now, first of all, it's not so – I agree with Clarence Thomas's dissent. We don't have so much time to get into that today that to begin with, the statute is clear enough. Anyone knows that if you commit two burglaries and you're an immigrant, you're at least on the chopping block for being deported. You're, you're risk of deportation. Especially when you're in, when you're under an administration, you understand that your status as a legal alien in a country is dependent upon an executive branch and the guy who's in charge of the executive branch is made a really big deal about getting rid of people who have committed crimes while not citizens of the country. That's exactly. It's, it's very simple. That, that, that should ought to be fair notice enough if you've been within a television for the past three years. Yeah, everyone knows that was always a deportable offense for decades. No one ever doubted it. No judge ever doubted that there was ambiguity ambiguity there. Everyone knew that that is pretty clear. If you commit two bur- burglaries, you you should at least you know be on the chopping block. Maybe we won't catch you. Maybe we won't deport you. But you're certainly under the risk of deportation. But even if you didn't feel you had notification, even if Gorsuch is right here, you can apply it to deportation. Mm-hmm. There's the, the main problem here is that in the opinion that I'm reading here, the one place where he addresses it in a footnote, um, Gorsuch addresses immigration in a footnote here, and this is this is page 11 of his decision. I guess is page 44 of the PDF here. If you want to look in Sessions v. Demaya, 
And he actually brings case law that disproves him. He says, well, we've long said, long ago said that due process is, is afforded to aliens. They have the, uh, the opportunity at some point to be heard before some lawful authority in advance of removal. And it's unclear how that opportunity might be meaningful without fair notice of the law's demands. Now, I hear a lot of thumbsuckers that we're reading that say, this is beautiful. He's right in the mold of Scalia that didn't like vague laws in general. Scalia, I could tell you 100% how he would rule on an immigration statute because in the Zavidas dissent, he used that the very cases that Gorsuch cites to say that he left that. He said, uh, actually um, – what that means is you have some sort of opportunity to go before an executive official, mm-hmm. an immigration agent, not a ju- Article Three judge, and say, hey, uh, no, no, you got the wrong guy. I didn't do it. Or um, I'm a citizen. You, you're making a mistake. But barring that, a facial claim that you're a citizen, are you an alien? Yes. Did you commit burglary? Yes. You're out of here. You don't have – the courts actually said explicitly there, and the only due process you have, again, is if we want to say be like Mexico, for example, and say, all right, we don't like you. You're a bad immigrant. We're going to lock you up in a labor camp. And indeed, I just want to quote to you, Nate, from this uh, case from Scalia what he would say here and you know, get your take on this. Scalia made fun out of the majority opinion – that, quote, obscured the distinction of deportation and criminal punishment and obscured it in what he called legal fog to somehow suggest that they have rights to remain in the country. And he basically, you know, they, they were using this case to say, look, the court said long ago they have some sort of due process right um, and certainly not to be deported, much like, you know, that deportation is j- different than a denial of entry. He said, not at all. The case there dealt with a labor camp. They wanted to dump the guy. This is 1903. They wanted to dump some immigrant into a labor camp. So Scalia scoffed and said, quote, I'm sure they cannot be tortured as well, but neither prohibition has anything to do with their right to be released in the United States. It's that simple. We we keep coming back to these bedrock principles that seem like common sense when you say them out loud, but Scalia is right. They get lost in this legal fog. And the, the sad thing is that there are situations where we see legal fog coming from poster children of the conservative legal movement, right? Yep. And that's, that's exactly what we've got here. But this is, I mean, this is the problem with the whole good judges thing. that you, you and I talk about this all the time. We've been back and forth. Our judges have their quirks. Everyone has quirks. That's Except the thing. for the left. Well, They're well, consistent. Well, yeah, and they might have quirks here or there. You'll occasionally see, you know, you'll occasionally see Sotomayor rule with Thomas on something involving Fourth but Amendment not stuff. A, not of this con- consequence. No, not of this. Never on this consequence. Never on this consequence. But that, but that's the thing. We keep putting our faith in kings and princes and guys in black robes. It, you know, it. You know, there's human fallacy here. There's human error. There's just human inconsistency here. And yeah, you end up in situations where you take broad ideas. They don't necessarily fit into a box and you jam them into a box, which is what we got here. Yes. The concept of overcriminalization, of not providing fair notice, of overregulation, blah, 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 providing too much to the executive. Exactly. Of course, conservatives don't like Of course this. we don't like yeah. We're not talking about 
WOTUS, you know, Waters of the United States rules screwing over farmers. Yeah. Somewhere we're out- talking about sovereignty. We're, we're talking ta- about bad dudes who are foreign nationals in this country. It's like, Daniel, I don't like regulations. We're, Immigration's a regulation. We're talking about Article 1 of the United States Constitution that Congress sets the parameters for immigration and naturalization. It's that simple. And the parameters set say if you're if you're not a citizen and you commit a crime like this, you leave. It's, you know, that that's... How vague is that? I want people to understand the radical nature of what Gorsuch did. And, and again, it's, you know, it's the other four clowns, but he signed on to it with a concurrence. And he made no mention of immigration. And you would – I mean, again, one or two times, and you would barely see the distinction. And you think this is some sort of regulatory burden on a citizen. No. I mean, we're, we're not going to sit in – you know, a lot of people are saying now, all right, Daniel – Let's the Congress needs to fix the statute. There was nothing wrong with this for decades until these people had the hubris to mess with it, to strike down a congressional immigration statute dealing with criminal aliens. Dude, that takes balls. <laughs> I mean, that, that does. And, and maybe some people on in the conservative legal thumb sucking theory, theory side think that's cool and very you know bold. But there's nothing bold about it, and that's why I want to get to the consequences of this. This is not just some academic dispute. Look, you know, Thomas once in a while, Alito once in a while, issue opinions I disagree with, but I've never seen something of broad consequence. This is not only going to affect ten, definitely thousands of criminal aliens at a time when, when this administration is having such a difficult time because of the lower courts throw, you know, Toss and sand into the gears when we try to deport them, but it's worse than that. Gorsuch is adopting the holy grail of the left-wing immigration jurisprudence that they tried to succeed in having the Supreme Court court codify. They succeeded in having lower courts do it recently for, for, for decades, and that's this, that fundamentally immigrants have a right to be here. Fundamentally, immigrants have citizen rights. Fundamentally, they have the same due process rights, plus the extra BS due process of advanced notification to the nth degree that, again, I agree with Thomas, even over Scalia on the general statutes here, even non-immigration related. I don't think you need that degree of notification in order to you know, fulfill due process, but fine. But to say on immigration, do you know what this means, Nate? Illegal immigrants now. They have due process rights. Gorsuch said it. They have, they have due process to deportation. That means they could lit, illegals could lit, litigate and have Article Three standing for every deportation, no? Oh, yeah. It's and- a punishment. He says deportation is a severe – I'm not quoting here directly because I don't have um, the exact page up and I'm not at my bunker. I'm here just in the middle of a room, so I can't even get my bearings here. But basically what he tries to say is that – most and he said this during oral arguments, I remember, and that's when I bashed him, and I'll link to this article in show notes, that most people would take any day of the week, they'd take a year in prison than being deported for the rest of their life. But what he's missing is it's not a measure of the severity of what it does to the individual. It's that it's an extension of American sovereignty. Mm-hmm. We didn't do anything wrong. We have the right. I don't care if it's vague. First of all, it's not in this case. And as, as Thomas and Alito and even Roberts and Kennedy say, but isn't this going to cause a lot of 
Article 3 jamming up of due process for illegal immigrants. Of course. Of course it is. And then you'll see the the Ninth Circuit get even more backlogged than it already is. And you'll see other circuits get just as backlogged as the Ninth. It's – but after a while, you get so inundated with seeing stuff like this to the point where this isn't even that surprising. The the really frustrating thing here – I mean Gorsuch? Well (laughs) – you know, there's but there, but Gorsuch, but there's there's nothing, nothing the Supreme Court, nothing the federal courts can do at any point that will really truly surprise me at this point. There's <laughs> absolutely nothing. But this is, but the response to it is is what's really frustrating for me. You know, one of the maybe the biggest problem that the conservative movement has is that the, mar- the marketing department sucks. I mean, the marketing yeah. department really sucks. You get on, you get people who can't sell a two thousand dollar, you know, one to two thousand dollar tax cut in a midterm election, <laughs> and then on the other end, you know, the stuff they do try to sell, they turn around and they they take the stuff that's really going to completely hinder uh, everything else you're trying to do legislatively and point that out. I was like, oh, see, he's not. He'll point. They'll they'll you know show this to their leftist friends. You know, all the conservative law students will get up like, look, oh, he's not the the boogeyman you said he was. Okay, yes, you've made this little conservative gotcha point here, but you're also lauding something that is going to completely screw over the immigration agenda that your president got elected on. Right. This is but <laughs> I that's love just it. conservative movement marketing right there. I love can you so so basically if you look at National Review, all these type of people, what they're <laughs> saying today is, um, look, isn't this amazing? Our people aren't like the left. You know, he's willing to go against the desired outcome of the president who appointed him. See, we're not always gonna like the outcomes. And like, yay, we, we, we get the talking point. But in this case, the opinion sucks and it's not true. It's a big it, it overturns the most uninterrupted, settled law of, of, you know, Shaughnessy, the 1950 case where they say there is no due process right for a foreign national to remain in the country against the national will. And it also begs the question of whether or not the desired outcome was in line with constitutional jurisprudence to begin with. Which it was, which is the problem the conservatives had with the desired outcomes of leftist judges yep. because they aren't. But again, this is it's that's the marketing problem. We have to run out and champion and cheer things that are fundamentally just really hammering us. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading here a friend of mine. I asked his comment from the Federation of Immigration Reform, um, Matt O'Brien. And he says, this case reads an awful lot like liberals on the court sending a message that they want to reduce the number and type of crimes that lead to deportation. We know that is the goal, that unless you murdered someone and beheaded them, we're not going to deport you, including all the drug people, which, by the way, that's going to be next. That's causing the opioid crisis. I speak with uh, Congressman Kim Buck on the latest episode of the Capitol Hill Brief about that problem. Yes. And Nate, remind me before the end of the show to put that into show links, (laughs) show notes. You got to see Nate has an interview with Congressman Ken Buck on the series we've been doing on how government is causing um, the opioid crisis and they're you know, making it a health care issue when it's an immigration issue. But a lot of this is because we catch these people and we don't deport them and they're involved in drugs. So anyway, my friend says defining a class of cases by behavior that is typically associated with a crime is not novel to the Immigration Nationality Act, and it has raised very few issues of vagueness in the past. Right? We haven't had this problem, notice, until the Ninth Circuit and Gorsuch going along with it in recent years did this. What's next? Is the court going What's next? Is the court going to overrule the portions of INA 212 that allow immigration inspectors to refuse admission to people they have reason to believe are involved in drug smuggling? <laughs> they have, because a lot of this stuff is not... 
you know, they say, well, I have reason to believe you're involved in drug smuggling. That is Section 212 of the INA. Well, what, how me, do I know? How, how do I know that you're going to look at me and say I got a mustache? I got a, I got a creepy mustache? No, let so me tell smuggler? you how that's going to go down. All right. That's going to get challenged. That's going to go through the ninth. They're going to shop it out. They'll come up with some moon bat wacky off the wall ruling. They'll take it to on bonk. They'll get an on bonk that does another moon bat yep. ruling. It'll go here. We'll get something similar. And it's not going to be about vagueness of the law. It's going to be about maliciously racially profiling at the executive level. It'll be five to four. And then you'll have the conservative industry marketing department jump out and say, look, he's not racist. And meanwhile, yeah. 50,000, you know, uh, you know, 50 gangbangers uh, from MS-13 coming up from El Salvador sneak across and get admittance to, to help the drug pipelines. And, and but he's not racist. He's not, he's not, and, and, you know, what, what really bothers me here is. Again, it's Gorsuch's philosophy. This is the issue of our time. We are on the cusp of an Obergefell Roe v. Wade of immigration. That That's what the left is doing. I mean, you see the lower courts that basically there's a right to immigrate. There's a right to come here. There's a right to remain here no matter what you do unless maybe you cut off five heads. And even then, who knows? Um, no matter what, immigration is a universal right. And Gorsuch, look, I'm not going to exaggerate. He's not saying that much, but he's adopting the underpinnings of their philosophy that you at least have Article 3 judicial review and and due process and I would argue extra degree of advanced understanding and notification of what would be including in a statute that would deport you. And when the administration asserted that, what do you mean? This is immigration and the president has full power. Um, Gorsuch said this, and, and this really bothers me. He said, look, I understand he has power over foreign affairs, quote, but to acknowledge that the president has broad authority to act in this general area supplies no justification for allowing judges to give content to an impermissibly vague law. So he has it backwards. You're allowing it's like Congress is making the judges interpret. And he said this in oral arguments, too. I don't know what you want from me. I don't know how to read the law. You're asking me to rewrite a statute. He's trying to make it like a conservative argument. You wrote a bad statute. You're making me write a statute. Shut up. We're not asking you to do anything. No. You know, stay out of it. The problem is the Ninth Circuit butted in. So it was our guys had to ask for an appeal. And he's like, what do you want from me? Your law stinks. Well, no, actually, if it's even if it's vague, the default position, I understand with an American citizen with fundamental rights, property rights, the default has to be if it's unclear with the individual right. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to an immigrant, the default has to be national sovereignty and the decision of the political branches. The courts cannot butt in unless again, unless explicitly the statute allows him to stay and the administration made a mistake. But that's not what he's saying. Right. And speaking on fundamental rights here, you know, this is also another talking point that a lot of the uh, that even uh, a lot of the the conservative legal industrial complex likes to throw out, uh, you know, oh, you're, you're saying that people who aren't citizens don't have fundamental rights. No one is saying that all human beings are born with life, liberty, you know, life, liberty, happy and the pursuit of happiness. If you come here from Ireland, I can't beat you up. Just right. Like exactly. It. We're not talking about stripping away someone's fundamental rights. Everyone has a fundamental right to justice. That is why they have this appeals process through the executive branch to appeal that. Yeah. Right. That should satisfy the fundamental right to seek justice and equity in a case, right? But we're, we're also talking about this republic having the fundamental right to decide who gets to join the yep. club, right? Yeah. 
And so you have an appeal to justice. You have everything else there. This is how it functioned wonderfully. Well, not wonderfully, but it functioned for the longest time. Yet now we have this question about vagueness. Gorsuch is to the left of the Warren era um, jurisprudence, all of it. And what what I find, you know, just to kind of give an analogy here, um, if I break into your house or, you know, put in different terms, I'm invited into your house. But then, you know, I start doing things in your house that you don't like. You have every p- power and right to throw me out. Yes. Right? And what I will. What you can't do is beat me up and lock me up in your attic. Yes. Right? Indefinitely. But you're like, no, I don't want you here. I'm moving. I'm not trying to lock you up. I'm not. And, and by the way, it's also settled case law that to detain someone as part of the end goal of deporting them just so they don't, you know, uh, abscond and wind up disappearing in our population. So you, you, you're allowed to detain them for the purpose of deporting them. So in this case, when Justice Gorsuch rules that, what do you mean? You have the right to, I have the right to know that if I throw up on your couch, if I kick your dog, you know, you, you got to list everything. No, like, I have the right to throw you out anytime I want, or I have the right to delegate to the head of my household the type of things he wants to throw you out for. Yes, precisely. I mean, mean, this is just, this is devoid of common sense, and this is exactly what I I resent how these conservative thumbsuckers are are bastardizing Scalia's legacy by saying Scalia would somehow rule this way. And yeah, and you're, you're violating the basic, like, implicit social contract of being invited into the house. The understanding is that you're not going to wreck up the place, puke on the couch, and, and throw a wrench into the aquarium, right? Yeah. When you do those things, you violated the implicit contract of being invited in on, on, under good faith. Yep. You're no longer a good faith actor. Go away. Exactly. And, and, and I mean, I quoted often from Shaughnessy, the 1950s era case, Justice Jackson. He is the champion of due process rights. He was... He had the dissent in Kuramatsu, the Japanese internment. He was the lead um, the judge in the, the Nuremberg trial, the pro- lead prosecutor, I mean, in the Nuremberg trial. He was a champion of due process rights. Gorsuch is no greater, uh, you know, with due process than Justice Jackson's, Jackson was. And he said very clearly, due process doesn't give anyone a right to be in this country. And, and that's what bothers me, to strike down congressional statutes. Until now, what the lower courts were doing is invalidating Trump actions. Mm-hmm. For the most part. I mean, it often really is statute, but they kind of ignore it. Here, he's directly saying, I'm striking down a congressional immigration statute dealing with criminal, criminal aliens. This is not some Daniel nitpicking of Gorsuch of some in the weeds academic thing I don't like from him and, you know, being mean about him. This is very concerning because I guarantee you the immigration lawyers are lining up now. Oh, my gosh. We have the big conservative hero now saying there is now fundamental due process rights against deportation. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm pissed. I don't but, know. I, but I, it's it's wonderful. Don't worry. Yeah, you it's know, it's Nate, wonderful. Nate, why? What am I missing about some of our colleagues? You know, I come down to D.C. and I, I just went to Capitol Hill to sell some of my stuff and, you know, pedal my goods. And, it, you know, it's not that I didn't get a good reception. It's just that no one sees the bigger picture. 
<laughs> it, it's the, this is what Scalia was a champion of. He was he had a very sharp legal mind, but he also had common sense. And he, he understood that he wouldn't narrowly look in Amelia Delia style literalism of a doctrine. Well, you have to have not- notification. Just to be clear, there's this Johnson case from a couple years ago before Scalia died where he invalidated similar criminal statutes dealing with non- non-immigrants, dealing with Americans. But I already told you, and I have two articles written up, we're going to link to in show notes, how Scalia directly addressed this point. And yet these writers at Red State, I formerly used to be there, um, and, and, and National Review are just like lauding this as in Scalia's legacy. What, what, do, do they not get it? I mean, they, the problem with conservatism, you know, with not just people physically located in the Beltway, but people who think, who get inside the, the, the Beltway swamp group think, it's a combination of factors. You've got the swamp group think, which is, is even a thing on the right, you know. Nobody wants to step on too many toes. Nobody wants to really go hard. That's, you know, that's why you see, like, just personally, from my vantage point as a congressional correspondent, you see a lot of good staffers go in for good members, get an offer to go up to a leadership office, and they just completely sell out. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, there's that upward pipeline into nothingness. Then you've got, you know, the, then you have the minutia, the the urgent crowding out the important, the desire to get the hot take out, the desire to fight today's battle but not win tomorrow's yeah. war. Oh my god, that is that that's a lot of what that's this it. is too. So it's a combination of the group think, it's the swamp culture, it's the it's the myopic view of of fighting the fight, and it all kind of comes together. And then you know, it, it, it's just like an, the, the the big line from a lot of these people today. I just saw on social media is. You know, I'm actually reading Gorsuch's opinion, and it really resonates with me. And like, yeah, because he's talking about individual rights and government meddling. In. And if we so, were yeah. if we were talking about the, you know, uh, if we were talking about the federal, like, who's over fishermen? I, don't, I can't remember who's over fishermen, but we're talking about the EPA screwing fishermen somewhere off. Yeah, of the or, Chesapeake or the Bay. Bureau of Land Management, you know, BLM and the National Fish Wildlife, whatever. Yes, Bureau. if we're talking about yeah. you know bureaucrats in D.C. screwing fishermen, farmers, construction workers. Yes, that's where it makes complete sense. This isn't that. This is immigration. Our, Article 1 of the Constitution gives Congress the, the, the power to set these parameters. The parameters work forever. And for whatever reason, now they're too vague. And here we are. And, and this, is, this is what I don't get. I mean, Scalia always said that, you know, you got to look at history and tradition very carefully. You are judged by history. You don't judge it. Yeah. And I just don't understand how someone could come along when— See, part of the problem with these thumb suckers is they think they know everything. And look, I know I have my areas. I know I know areas I don't know. I wrote a book on this subject, the intersection of immigration, the courts, and again, the mixture of the two, um, immigration in the courts. And I have a whole chapter on the history of immigration, our traditions on immigration, the values of our founders. I have a whole chapter on their founders. And I explored this. And it is quite evident our, our, up until the last generation, nobody could envision that we would see a time when there's two burglary convictions and a guy is able to litigate himself into an Article Three court and stay here. It just it just makes no sense. But anyway, our our, our buddy got to, has has to run here. Nate, we got to have you on more often, please. Or maybe I have to come in more often and not be such a hermit. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's fun. That's what it is. But then, you know, my IQ goes down like 50 basis points yeah. once I go into D.C. But, you know, that's it. But anyway, folks, that was Nate Mann just being a co-host here. And I just need to 
bring it, bring him in for some group therapy because I am just so upset that I'm that I am right in this case. I didn't want to be right when I predicted Gorsuch would screw us and the consequences of it six months ago, but there we are. So thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Watch the Capitol Hill brief on CRTV, and we will absolutely <laughs> put that in there. Well, folks, that was my colleague, Deputy Nate Madden. I'm really proud of him. Uh, you know, he's really. Uh, Really learned a lot since he joined us at CRTV and is just a tremendous asset. He is our Capitol Hill correspondent. Make sure to subscribe to CRTV. Get his stuff. I'm just telling you guys, as I go throughout the day, I'm running around. I hate DC days. I hate being outside of my Baltimore bunker where I could just kind of concentrate on what I need to. So I'm really behind things today. I will have an article coming out. Tomorrow, or actually it will be on the day you wind up hearing this because you're going to hear this on Wednesday, um, detailing what is wrong with, with what Gorsuch did and why Clarence Thomas is right and he's wrong and why it's of major consequence. But there's a broader problem. I'm more concerned by the reaction that I'm seeing from this conservative libertarian intelligentsia than even the opinion itself. Because if you want to know why we are screwed on a certain issue, so badly, it's not natural. It doesn't happen on its own. It's because the people tasked with fighting it are part of the problem. They believe in the same things. And that's the problem with the conservative legal movement I've been saying for a long time. And again, it's not just because, oh, I don't like the outcome it sided with a you know a criminal alien. If the, if the statute says that, it says that. But if you're going to say it's unconstitutional, you can never say a deportation law is unconstitutional. By definition, it can't be unless he's a U.S. citizen. You know, Donald Trump already commented on this and says this is why Congress needs to pass legislation fixing it. What are we going to do, run around and every single time some a-hole liberal judge has some stupid agenda, we say, oh, let's fix the statute. It doesn't need fixing. Fix the freaking judges. That's the problem. Fix the judges. Strip their jurisdiction over immigration, which frankly, they have no such jurisdiction. I'm sick of it. You can't play this cat and mouse game. I mean, like I said, they're going to start going after, and they're already doing this, crimes involving you know, child molesting, drug trafficking, say, well, that's not included. I mean, they're going to go after all this stuff. I don't know. I just don't know, folks. I don't know what it's going to take for our people to wake up. You know, suddenly Gorsuch is a hero. All these articles, Gorsuch is the real originalist. Oh, really? So the four liberals and the Ninth Circuit got it right and Clarence Thomas got it wrong in Alito. Um, but again, I mean, I don't like the name drop, but you just go down the line. Governor Morris at the 1787 uh, Constitutional Convention. Every society from a great nation down to a club had the right of declaring the conditions on which new members should be admitted. There can be no room for complaint. Done. That is the principle here. That is the principle. You know... Another, another point here, any alien coming to this country must or ought to know that this being an independent nation, it has all the rights concerning the removal of aliens which belong by the law of nations to any other. 
that while he remains in the country in the character of an alien, he can claim no other privilege than such as an alien is entitled to. And consequently, whatever risk he may incur in that capacity is incurred voluntarily with the hope that in due time by his unexceptionable conduct, he may become a citizen of the United States. That there is from Justice James Ardell. It's from 1799. One of the founders of the judiciary, one of the founding members of the judiciary, one of the crafters of Article 3. I mean, this is as much of an antiquated foundational principle as you'll ever get. You know, as I said before, Justice Jackson said this in a number of cases. He called it the most uninterrupted case law. Uninterrupted. It's that simple. And yet our people refuse to recognize this. Very, very sad. And like I said, this will have tremendous, tremendous consequences. And I'm just, just to repeat, I'm pissed that so many of our people think, oh, this is in the mold of Scalia somehow. This is in the mold of Scalia. Really? I don't think so. You know, a lot of these people have not spent time on immigration. So they view everything from kind of a regulatory standpoint. But it's just, it's just utter nonsense. Really, I mean, really ticks me off. But, uh, you know, look, that, that's the world we live in. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm just astounded at the reaction from the conservative intelligentsia. You know, as I travel in D.C. today, I'm just kind of watching social media and I see this. And it's, uh, it's scary. It's scary how many people have no problem with this. And they think, no, this is actually the real thing. This is the real deal. No, it isn't. This is a terrible opinion. And and again, when they keep creating constitutional rights to say, oh, well, let's fix the statute. There's nothing to fix. They're creating constitutional rights. But I, I don't want to belabor the point. I got to run to a bunch of meetings, lots going on. Um flagging for you my article on the internet sales tax, which is also before the Supreme Court, um, why it's still unconstitutional, unworkable, and just a dumb idea to raise taxes like that and promote an interstate cartel taxation without, without regulation. We're going to have a lot more of the opioid crisis and open borders and Medicare, Medicaid expansion. Um, <clears throat> I got a lot of members and staff now that are very interested in my work, and we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. We're gonna expose the truth on this. We're gonna have more guests on. We're gonna continue our Meet the Candidate series as well this week. We're gonna delve into foreign policy. Also, let me know your feedback on my last episode, episode two thirteen, on citizens task forces, grassroots public policy making. What you think of my idea? I I, I might not have time to respond to all your e- emails, but I am getting them. And as always. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys standing behind me uh, so I can expose the truth here because, I mean, <laughs> too few people are willing to speak the truth on the on the judiciary, on immigration, on sovereignty, and they just go with the group think. We're not going to do group think here. Thank you so much. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.